Well, good morning. I figured I better turn the lights on for myself, so it took me a second to get up here. I'm glad to be here uh, this morning, um, and uh, it's, uh, it's great uh, to be with all the folks that are here this morning and also everybody that's online. Um, if, we're not, if I've not met you before, my name is Ken, um, and my job here as pastor is to help you with two things, to follow and to fish. You know, at Crosswinds, we have a, a simple mission. It is to help every family discover God, his love, and his ways. And our mission is based on two passages of scripture. You know, Jesus was once asked by a bunch of lawyers, that's never good, um, what the most important command of life is, what we should obey. And he said, it's this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. That's saying God is number one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other command greater than these. That's from Mark 12, um, 29 through 31. Uh, to do that is to follow him, to care about the things he cares about most. Um, Jesus loves God, his father. He loves all people. He loves you. And if you follow him, you will learn to demonstrate love towards God in worship like we just did by obeying him. That's really what worship is. Um, you'll learn to love others, to care for them. You'll learn to love yourself by living healthy, by living a full life instead of a destructive one. And second scripture that our mission is based on is his great commission found in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Simply, this is fishing or drawing others into a kingdom design of love for him and for others and for self. If you call Jesus your Lord, if you are a disciple, the things that we do are following and fishing. That's what a disciple does. Everything we do as a church should be about those two things. You know, when I, during the week, disciple someone, I ask them two accountability questions. How was following? And how was fishing? Each of you should be asking yourselves the same two questions each week. Am I seeking to love God? Am I putting him first? Am I caring for others? Am I caring for myself? Am I fishing? Am I purposely going out in the world looking for opportunities to share his gospel with others? In the Greek language, this word go really means to, to it really says, as you go. So this is an everyday thing. As you go through life, are, are you ready and are you prepared to fish? Who here likes to go fishing in lakes? Anybody like to go fishing in lakes? What do you have to do to catch fish? 
Well, first you have to prepare, right? You've got to prepare. You've got to get your gear together. Well, this church is to prepare you for your week. That, that's what it's for. Most of us don't live on a lake, right? We don't, we don't live on a lake. So we have to leave home to catch fish, right? We have to leave home. And, and, and even if you do have a lake in your backyard, you at least have to go outside and get near where fish are to fish. And then next, you have to cast, don't you? You have to cast. You have to put your bait in the water. Now, it helps to know what kind of fish are in the lake. That way you can match the right kind of bait with the right kind of fish. And it helps to know the right places to cast in the lake. But that's all secondary. That really is all secondary. Because if you don't cast, you won't catch anything. Right? And if you do cast, you'll get better at casting. You'll start to figure out where the best places to cast are. And you'll get even better at choosing what kind of bait to use. But even so, your success is going to be dependent on three things. How often you go to the lake, how often you cast, and how hungry the fish are. Isn't that true? What can you control? The first two, right? How often you go to the lake and how often you cast. Now think about that in terms of fishing for men. You can't control how hungry they are, but you can control how often you get around people and how often you cast the gospel. The first two. God is in charge of how hungry the fish are in any given day. Jesus has asked us to follow him and to go fish and leave the hunger to him. When fish aren't hungry, or when fish are hungry, it doesn't take much skill. You know, I've caught fish on a bear hook. Is anybody else? When they're like, the water's like, they're crazy. You throw a bear hook in there, they'll bite on it. They're just ready to eat something. Um, you don't have to be good. You just have to cast it in the water. I've seen kids that don't know what they're doing catch lots of fish because they're just casting like crazy. They're hooking everything, even me. You know, they're just going for it. Now, other times it will take patience and it will take some skill. You know, we develop skill by continuing to cast and by being patient. See, it's in casting that we learn to follow because we learn patience. Love, the Bible tells us, is patience. How are we going to learn to love God and learn love others if we won't learn to fish with patience. Fishing teaches us to see people like Jesus sees them. You know, in Matthew 9, 36 and 38, it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. If we follow Jesus, we will develop his attitude towards others, won't we? He saw people. Do you see people? He saw them with compassion and love. We can either see people with love or irritation. 
The great commandment says to see them with love. That's following. Jesus saw they're like sheep. Now, sheep are stupid. They are. We used to own some. They're the dumbest creatures on earth. They will eat themselves to death if you let them. They will easily get lost. They will easily get themselves stuck in stupid ways. Now, you can be irritated with them, or you can realize they just can't help it. And they need someone's help to guide them. And Jesus says we're all like that. You included. That's how God sees us, like stupid sheep. But he loves us because we are his sheep. And he knows that we are helpless to fix ourselves. Sheep are so dumb, they don't even know when they need help. And if we're going to be successful fisher people, we need to be following Jesus ourselves so that it will give us the right attitude of love and patience ourselves. Otherwise, we're not going to cast because people are irritatingly dumb, aren't they? Aren't they? So we need to love them, right? Now, some of you do care. You love sheep. You have compassion on the crowd. And you partially follow, but you don't fish. Why? Maybe you tried once or twice and it didn't work out and you got discouraged. Or maybe you see opposition out there right now because the waves on the lake seem not so friendly to fishermen. After all, this last year didn't go so well. And Or maybe you're cynical and you believe the, the sheep are too stupid and they're just too lost. But what did Jesus say to his disciples? The harvest is plentiful. That means there's lots of hungry fish out there. And if they're hungry, then skill is not the problem. What's the problem? It's a casting problem, isn't it? The workers are few. There are simply just not enough people casting Disciples who are supposed to be fishers of men are not casting. Why? Maybe they don't feel it's within their power or their ability to do it. Maybe they feel they don't have the authority to do it. Maybe they feel they will not be effective doing it. Well, today's lesson in Luke chapter 9, we will see that Jesus says, authorized us and that he was powered us and that he will make us effective if we will go and cast and fish. So if you'll turn to Luke chapter nine, starting in verse one, it says this, and he called the 12 together and he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. Now, specifically, the 12 that he's talking about are the apostles. An apostle is someone sent to represent another on orders. Now, these disciples have just witnessed Jesus' authority over nature, calmed a huge storm, and over a demon-possessed man. And now they are sent out with his power and authority. Now, Jesus called them specifically together. Now, if you've been saved by Jesus... You've been called by God. Um, the Bible says this, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, 
not because of our work, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. See, God does not call the qualified to serve him. He qualifies the called. Now, think about who's in this group that he's calling. There's Peter and there's Judas, two people who denied him. And there's Stephen, who doubted him. And there's John, who kind of lacked love. He wanted to call fire down on all the stupid people that rejected him. That's who he he called to serve him. But Jesus still gave them his power and his authority to do the work. And that's exactly what he's done for you and me. Now, in the Great Commission, Jesus said... He gives us authority. He says, I have been given all authority, therefore, go. He's transferring authority to you. In Acts 1.8, Jesus promises power will be given to us. He says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, he says, if you're a believer in Jesus, you have the power of the Holy Spirit working in you. In Christ, you are authorized, you have a fishing license And he says, go casting with power. Jesus gave authority and power over all demons and all diseases. Through the Holy Spirit, Jesus gives us power over the devil. Just like he had. The scripture says this in 1 John 4, 4. Little children, you are from God and you have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The ultimate cause of disease is sin. Death entered the world through sin. Notice our authority to heal demons and disease comes with what? The proclamation of the gospel in this verse. The gospel is the cure to all disease. Since all disease eventually leads to death, even if you cure a disease temporarily, you're going to die. But the gospel leads to total healing or eternal life, no more death and no more disease. In the gospel is the power to restore all brokenness, any brokenness caused by sin in this world. In Revelations 21.4, it says this, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Disciples are to bring the simple message of God's coming kingdom of restoration. That's what we're to cast with. We're not to cast with politics. We're not to cast with financial stewardship ideas. We're not to cast with our good deeds into the world. We're not to cast with how moral we are. We're not to cast with what a nice church we have. We're not to cast with how living the Christian life is superior to anybody else. We are to cast with a vision of total restoration of God's kingdom through the gospel not that all those other things are bad but what we are to cast with is the gospel does that make sense 
And those other things become a distraction. And everything we do, we need to be having everyday, simple gospel conversations. Now, to cast that vision, we use an illustration at Crosswinds called the Three Circles. It's a simple illustration that helps us cast. It's an aid. Casting is simple. Do you guys ever hear anybody, anybody ever hear anybody talk or, or complain about something as you're going through life? Okay. Well, then you need to cast and see if that fish is hungry when they're complaining. You say something like this. You know, I've not had the same problem, but I've had similar problems. Can I show you something or share something with you that's helped me? Now, if the gospel hasn't helped you, don't say that. There's a bigger problem. You're not a Christian yet. You can't give something to someone that you don't have yet. So come talk with me after church and I'll start discipling you so that you can become a Christian. Does that make sense? If you can't say that to somebody, then you need discipleship. Now, if they're, if you're, if they're sharing a problem with you, that probably means they're a hungry fish. You know, if you say that to 90% of the people, you know what they're going to say to you? Sure. And you can cast the vision of the kingdom. Now, what if they say no? Reel in your line. Cast somewhere else. They're really not that hungry. They're just complaining. Right? People get frustrated when fish don't bite. But you know what happens to the best fishermen? It just means the fish are fussy. They're not hungry. I don't care how good you are at fishing or how good your equipment is. If the fish is full or fussy, they're not going to bite, right? God's word says this. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. John 6, 44. Beloved, you need to know you can do everything right and get no results. It happened to Jesus. So it can happen to you. And you can do everything wrong. And that darn fish will jump in the boat and start flopping around and say, let's do a Bible study. That will happen. Jesus only told us to cast, not control fish. And if you try to go out there and control fish and sell fish, you'll scare them and frustrate yourself. Your job is to cast and let God draw. Does that make sense? Now, to cast the vision, you need to learn to do this quickly. Because fish would rather talk at you than listen to you talk. Does that make sense? Okay. So 
I want to show you this illustration quickly that we use. God, this is the three circles, has a perfect design for our lives. He loves us. And his design is perfect. It's perfect for our relationships. It's perfect for our marriages. It's perfect for our finances. It's perfect for how we raise our kids. It's, it's perfect for our health. But here's the problem. We all depart from that design. Now, the, that departure is called sin. And that's just a Bible word. Um, that has a lot of baggage, but it simply means to miss the mark. It's like an archer shot an arrow at a target and it missed. Well, the target's love and we, we all miss it. But when we miss it, we end up in a place called brokenness. Now, we don't like brokenness. We don't like how that feels. And so we want to escape brokenness. But brokenness isn't necessarily a bad thing. There's actually things we can learn in brokenness. But our instant reaction is try to escape. And we try to escape with all kinds of strategies. We, we try to escape with maybe drugs or alcohol or religion or self-improvement or entertainment, distraction, Netflix and Hulu or, in my case, food. Or um, shopping, workaholism. We all have different ways to medicate this feeling of brokenness, to distract ourselves away from it. And these solutions or these fixes work temporarily, but there's a problem. You know where they all lead? More brokenness. And the Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, but it leads to death. But there's another way. There's this thing called the gospel or good news. And if we will simply turn away from all that and turn to the gospel, and the gospel is really simple. It's, it's that the Son of God, Jesus Christ, came down from heaven to earth because he loves us. He came down from heaven and he... He was God's perfect design. He, he never fell into brokenness. He, he loved people. He, he cared about people. He stood up for people. He healed people. But because we're broken and we're like sheep, we, we put him on a cross. And God allowed it. Allowed him to die for us, for all of our sin. He took our punishment. And he died. And he went into a tomb. And three days later... A miracle happened. He, he walked out of that tomb. And that proved two very important things. It proved, one, that he had the power to forgive our sin. To do exactly what he said on that cross. He said, Father, forgive them. They're like sheep. They don't know what they're doing. And he forgave our sin on the cross. And it proved another thing, that he had the power to help us Get back to God's design. He had the power to help us recover our lives if we would follow him and pursue God's design again. And if we will simply repent, which means turn from this 
and believe in him, he will help us recover and pursue God's design, which is abundant and eternal life. Amen? Is that hard? No. Now when you finish it, you know what you do? You shut up. That's the hardest part. And you ask a simple question. Where do you see yourself in those three circles? You just cast it. The bobber's in the water. And now you wait on the fish. You see how hungry they are. And they're either going to be a hungry fish and it's going to be a green light. And that fish is going to come along and and they're ready to follow Jesus. And you reel them in. They come and follow with you and you start discipling that person. Or they're, they're not sure. They're kind of fussy and they need more information. You say, hey, can we get together later? Let's talk some more. Let's do maybe a little time Bible study. And you start discipling them anyways because they're just not sure. They need more information, right? You're just loving them. So it's a yellow light. And, and, and then maybe they have no interest. They're not hungry at all. That's a red light. They're just not hungry. They're not ready. What do you do with them? You love them. You pray for them. You go cast somewhere else. Love it, that's fishing. That's what Jesus called us to do. It's that simple. But the church somehow has forgotten how to do that. And we're under the delusion that it's to be done by commercial fishermen in a pulpit in a church. But fish, you know, they really like to hide in the weeds with other fish that smell more like them. And this pond seems kind of artificial and commercial fishermen are kind of scary to them because they use words they don't understand. And only the really hungry ones make it in here or the ones that are too sick and too slow. But Jesus is a master fisherman. He knows where to go. And he's the one we're supposed to be learning from. And what he did is he sent his disciples out to cast where the fish are instead of having them bring them to him. And actually, he led by example, didn't he? I can't think of a time where he said to his disciples, bring them all to me. Can you? I mean, there was a woman in the well, but he just said, bring me your husband. He didn't say bring all the rest of the people. That was her idea. He didn't object. So what stupid sheep got in their mind that it was good to change his method? Going out casting, wasn't that the instruction that he gave? And he said to them, take nothing for your journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, nor money. 
and, and, and do not have two tunics. And when Jesus says, take nothing to his disciples, what I believe he is saying to us is you don't need sophisticated equipment to share the gospel. You need a napkin and a pencil. You, you, you don't need a PowerPoint and a laptop and a cell phone. You don't need a canned presentation. The, the three circles is not a presentation. It's a help for a conversation. You know, I learned to fish from Mexican boys in Rocky Point, Mexico, in the Sea Cortez off a pier. And these boys had skill. They used what was called a hand line, just a piece of line and a couple of weights and a hook. And they caught fish like crazy there. And they made it look easy. I tried it as a kid, and I spent all day getting the line untangled. <laughs> you know, I was just wrapped up in the line. Um, uh, it was a bird's nest. And later, my dad bought me one of those little Zepco reel, and I could actually fish. It got easier because the reel kept my line organized. I want you to think of the three circles like a reel, right? A way to keep your tongue organized so it doesn't get tangled when you go fishing. It's just a tool. It'll, it'll keep it, your, 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 your conversation neatly on the reel so you're ready to cast it any time and, and keep, your, keep your, your conversation on track. It's just a really simple tool for you to use. The most important thing, though, is that you cast the good news of the gospel. And the gospel can't be assumed or forgotten. Some people try to forget that part. And, and there's people also that argue about what the gospel is. But the Apostle Paul summed up simply for us what the gospel is in 1 Corinthians 15.3. He says, For I delivered to you as of first importance, so this is really important, you can't forget it, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. When you share this, make sure you tell people that Jesus came down from heaven, that he died on a cross for our sins, and that he rose from the grave. If you don't share that, you have not shared the gospel. Because all the time when I share this with people, they forget that part. They assume it. Do you know there's people that don't know he rose from the grave? I grew up in the Catholic Church. I never figured that out somehow. That's the most important part. Because without that, we have no hope. A man walked out of the grave. Tell them that. That changes everything. That's good news. That means you can too. So he's, he, he's, he's t- we need to tell the gospel. We're to keep it simple. I, I believe that, that Jesus is telling them not to take supplies so that they keep focused there was a rule in that day that a, a rabbi was not to enter a temple with shoes, staff, and a money bag because it had the appearance that you were focused on other business. The, the disciples were on a holy task. The business was the gospel and nothing else. We need to go out with the sole focus. How can I share the gospel? We need to wake up in the morning. God, give me an opportunity to share the gospel today. Give me an opportunity to cast. Give me the opportunity to smile at somebody. Leave me near some fish. You don't always get an opportunity to cast. I got a haircut yesterday. I got an opportunity to talk to somebody. Maybe next time I'll get to cast. Right? Give me, give me somebody new to talk to. You know, if we're distracted, if we're carrying lots of other stuff, it will be difficult to cast, won't it? 
If you're carrying around your status, it's going to be difficult to cast. If you're carrying around your politics, it's going to be difficult to cast. If you're carrying around your money-making ideas, it's going to be difficult to cast. If you're, if you're looking at your sandwich on social media, it's going to be difficult to cast. You've got to take your eyes off your phone to see who you're casting at. we need to go into the marketplace prepared to cast. See, there we're to go unsupplied. We are to go dependent on God for where we are to cast and who we are to cast to. It's not about the clothes we wear, the job we have, the education we have, or the money in our pocket, the words we use, or the car we drive. We can go talk to anybody trusting God will provide the words and the things we need. It's not about having a theological degree. It's about obedience. Many don't cast because of their insecurities. They feel they don't have their act together yet. But Jesus is saying to us, go out there with your, without your act together. You don't have to be perfect. Trust God to bring you together. Be dependent on him. The strength of the message is, is what is important, not the strength of the messenger. Often your weakness with obedience is more convincing than your strength. The Apostle Paul said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Stop trying to be perfect. Your job is to go and cast. Now, now Jesus sent them, according to Matthew's gospel, to the lost sheep of Israel. Jesus sent them to religious people who were lost. Did you hear that? Religious people can be lost. People can talk about God. People can go to church. People can pray. People can read the scriptures and be lost. Jesus said, go, make disciples, not religious people. What do disciples do? Oh, boy, I better start over. What do disciples do? Follow and fish. What do disciples do? If you don't follow him and you don't fish, are you a disciple? What keeps people from following and fishing? All the squiggly lines. Right? If they're living constantly in the squiggling lines, where are they headed? Brokenness. Who are they really following? A thief who came to kill, steal, and destroy them. Jesus came that they might have life and have it abundantly. And life abundantly comes in following and fishing. And and I, I bet as these disciples went out to talk with these religious Jews, there was a lot of commonality. They shared a common history. They had common values for the most part. They ate the same things and talked the same language. Actually, Jews and disciples looked a lot alike. There was one critical difference, though. Who was leading them? Disciples were following Jesus. And Jews were following religion. They had religious information, but religion doesn't save That's just another one of the squiggly lines. Ultimately, a squiggly line that will leave you lost and broken. And Jesus knew that. 
And that's why he sent them to talk to religious people. Beloved, we are saved when we turn and we follow him and believe in what he has done for us. The Bible says because um, this in Romans 10, 9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart one believes and is justified or forgiven, and with one's mouth one confesses and is saved. For scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Friends, here is the spiritual landscape of the pond we live in. 70% of the people you talk to every day will say they're religious or Christian. That's statistical. But statistically, only 4% would actually be following and fishing. So there's a lot of lost sheep out there heading in the wrong direction. Heading into brokenness and ultimately heading to hell. What is really scary is that they think they're found because nobody's ever had a gospel conversation with them. Their lives are broken because they know information about Jesus, but they don't know him or his gospel. And most of them will probably never come into this church because they assume that they are too broken or that they are just doing fine without a shepherd. They're lost. Some are harassed by their sin. Some are helplessly caught up in their pride thinking they don't need help. And Jesus sends us fishing to have conversations with them because he loves them. And if you love him, you will go cast because you love fish. Jesus says this, and whatever house you enter, stay there. And from there, depart. The idea here is when we cast, we're either welcome into a conversation or we're not. If someone opens up a relationship to us, we enter that field. We look and we listen for brokenness and we cast. And if we're welcomed in relationally, we stay there. And, and Jesus says, whatever house. Friends, there's brokenness everywhere. Don't, don't be fooled by the beautiful houses around here. people dying in these houses there's people sick in these houses there's there's people's marriages that are breaking up in these houses don't be fooled by the pretty lawns go to whatever house and have a conversation there's brokenness everywhere we don't prejudge or try to predict who has need we go where god is opening the door and if and if there's openness we spend time with them and we disciple them we teach them what we know and we fish and we move on And discipleship is about building highways of relationship, not cul-de-sacs or holy huddles. We we, we move. And, And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave, shake the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. Luke 9, 5. Now, this is important to remember. We're not always going to be received. No fisherman catches on every cast. Remember the parable, the sower I taught on a few weeks ago? Jesus says... You know, there's times the seeds will bear no fruit. Actually, three quarters of the time, the seed will bear no fruit. But that quarter of a time, it'll bear 30, 60, 100 fold. It's quite a return. So our job is not to convince or to argue with anybody. We are to be enthusiastic about the hope that we have in Jesus. But it's the Holy Spirit's job to convince. 
And if the gospel's not received, we're not to fret about it. We're not to get mad or beat ourselves up about it even. Jesus says we are to shake the dust from our feet. See, the Jews had a tradition. When they went through a Gentile city, they, they shook the dust from their feet. And that was a way of saying, I don't want to take anything from the city that's unclean. See, the Jews considered the Gentiles unclean, so they didn't want to carry that uncleanness with them when they left the city. You know, if someone rejects the gospel, if somebody makes fun of what you believe, um, they remain unclean. It doesn't taint you in any way. They've just chosen not to get into the shower of grace with Jesus Christ. They've just chosen not to be forgiven. The stink of sin is just still on them. You've not lost anything. No damage has been done. You may have actually moved them a little closer to the shower or to the idea that they may need one. Their rejection of the gospel puts no judgment on us. Their lack of repentance could judge them. Jesus said this in Matthew ten fifteen. Truly, I say to you, it would be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Speaking of the towns that rejected his disciples. You know, red lights are really rejecting God. And instead of being angry or frustrated, we should, that should move our hearts in love to pray for them. We should pray that the Holy Spirit might come and convince them of their own sin, their own brokenness, that they might repent and believe in Jesus and find mercy. And they departed. And they went through the villages preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. They are disciples. They follow and fish. They have gospel conversations. Maybe it's this word preaching that throws us off. In in the Greek, it's actually not three words, preaching the gospel. It's one word, and I'm going to butcher it, but it's Euaglanzo. I I don't speak Greek well. It's Greek to me. Anyways, um, it means to announce or bring glad tidings. That's what the word means. Jesus is not talking about standing or sitting up here like I am in front of a crowd, um, which is unnatural. Instead, he's talking about doing the most natural thing in the world, sharing good news in a conversation across a dinner table, by a well, at the workplace, on the street, one-on-one with a few people in conversation. Are you able to tell somebody about the Bears game that just got won? Are you able to tell about the new baby that was just um, had by the couple down the street? Are you able to tell about the new couple that just got engaged? Then you can learn to cast a vision of the gospel. You can do that at a coffee shop. You can do that at the soccer field or on the summer barbecue. The text says they brought healing everywhere. Beloved, we leave, live in a broken world. God's design was for them not to come all here or to any neighborhood church or to any mega church, but for healing through the gospel to happen everywhere through his disciples. We are not to come to church. We are to be the church. Beloved, our world is just as broken or more broken than the first century when he sent his disciples out. And the fish are hungry. Jesus said that. If the problem is you're not casting, what is the problem? Is the problem that you're not going where fish are? 
Are, are you prepared to cast? Are you casting? Are you too busy in the squiggly lines yourself? And if that's true, where are you in the three circles? What do you need to do? What do you need to do to have abundant and eternal life? Salvation is recognizing your own authority will leave you broken. And trusting in Jesus, believing in him, will save you. If he says to follow and to fish, and you don't attempt to go near fish, and you don't attempt to cast, how can you say he's Lord? Maybe it's time to reel things in in the house of God. And get real. It's time for us to repent. And trust his word. And find forgiveness. And start really following. And start fishing. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you and we praise you for your word that is always true. Let us not depart from it. But let us turn and follow you. That through us, that your grace may flow to a broken and hurting and sick world. Father, healing always comes through your church first. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, I will hear from heaven. And I will heal their land. Oh, Lord, Father, bring a spirit of repentance to your church. Let us turn and follow you. And let us cast your love, your gospel into the world. Father, if there's anybody here that has not yet received your gospel, may they do that today. May they repent and believe on you and find forgiveness, find peace in your name. May they humbly walk with you and learn from you. For you are good. And you will bring healing through them everywhere. And it will be exciting and it will be abundant. Thank you for what you will do through them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Today, if you feel like you need to make a commitment of some kind, commitment to walking closer to Jesus, to following him closer, a commitment to fishing, commitment to trusting in him for the first time. Come and pray with me. I'd be happy to pray with you as Jeremy and the band sing.